going to be again in the book of Exodus chapter number two, uh, starting at verses number one. My auntie is in the house. Hey, Aunt Molly. Love you, dear. Y'all say hey to my Aunt Molly. Hey, Aunt Molly. <laughs> the scripture declares about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a, somebody shout, a special baby. Yes, one translation says a fine child. So she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it from tar, with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Five declares, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the baskets among the basket amongst the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby, the little boy, was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Verse number seven declares, then the baby's sister approached the princess. Look at her, look at her wisdom. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, and the saint said, amen. Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. I know, God, that I need grace. I need mercy. God, I need your hand to rest upon me in order to properly articulate this word with the authority, with the power, yes, and even with the mercy that's needed to minister to the people of God. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to hide me behind the cross that men may not see. I give honor or glory to Greg, but all honor and all glory goes to you, Father, now, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Uh, before I dive into the text today, I just want to kind of highlight just a thought um, as I approach the, the hour of teaching and preaching one of the things that I primarily try to do as I am approaching a text, because the way that God deals with me, usually he gives me a central theme, and in that theme, there are several passages of scriptures or stories from the Bible that he'll give me, and it's my responsibility to search out the text to see exactly what it's saying. Somebody shout, you got to put some work into it. I'm telling you, whether it's your personal study or you're preparing to give, to give a message to the people of God, when God impresses your heart with a particular text, you just can't, watch this, you just can't go on the last thing that God showed you about that particular text because you might miss what he's actually saying in this particular hour. So it's my responsibility to search out the text. And as I'm searching out the text, there are two primary things that I'm looking for. I'm looking for the commandments of the text and the principles of the text. The commandments is what did he actually say to me? Because the Bible declares that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So I want to know what exactly is God saying to me? I'm looking for the commandments, and not only am I looking for the commandments, I'm looking for the principles in the text. What's the difference? The commandments is what he actually tells me to do. The principles is the systematic approach that he has in dealing with people. Because I believe that God is not a respecter person, he is a respecter principle. What he does for one in principle, he is bound to do for another. Can somebody say amen to that? 
Let me give you a scriptural example. In, in, the, in the Gospels, you have this story of the apostle Peter that, that the disciples, they're in the boat and they see Jesus walking on the water and they're not sure if it's Jesus. They said it might be a ghost. And Peter says, watch this, Jesus, if it is you, bid me to come. Jesus looks at him and he says, come. Now, the principle in the text is not the fact that because Peter walked on water, I can walk on water. No, that's not the principle of the text. The principle is this. Whenever God tells you to do something, despite the impossibility it seems, come on somebody, this, despite the rarity of something like this happening in another person's life, if God tells you to come, my God, he gives you the power and the ability to come. Can somebody say amen to that? That's a principle that I've lived most of my Christian life with. I don't spend a whole lot of time in my prayer closet asking God for a bunch of stuff. I really just want to know what it is he's telling me to do because inherent in the word of what he's told me to do is the power to perform that. In this particular text, I see commands and I also see principles that I believe are applicable to our lives today. Now, let me pause just for a moment because for the next few weeks, um, and this may span to the end of the year. We're going to be dealing with a series simply entitled Family Matters. Everybody shout Family Matters. Family Matters. Now, within this particular series, I'm not really dealing with the issues of family life. I really just want to highlight the importance of the family. I want to stress the fact of the matter that family really does matter. If, you, if you're watching me online, just put that in the text. Family really does matter. Because what I've seen in my life personally with my family and what I'm seeing countless in countless lives and families around the globe, I'm seeing, watch this, on one hand, the, the devil is fighting by, by, by sowing disharmony, discord, all of these eels into the family. But there was something that God showed me that I hadn't seen the enemy doing. It was hidden to my eyes. I saw him show, sowing division in the family, but I didn't see him showing, sowing devalue in the family. I want to help somebody in this place. Watch this. Oh, that's, that's just my little sister. That's just my brother. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's just the folk that raised me. Yeah, yeah they, they my kids. I can't wait until they get out of the house, girl. He's sowing devalue in the family, and I'm telling you today that the devil is absolutely a liar. Somebody shout, the family really does matter. The family does matter, and because the family matters, my God, today, whatever matters to you, you ought to protect it. If it really matters to you, then you ought to protect what matters, and that's why I want to hang my hat for today, protecting the family. Somebody shout protecting the family. Yes, in this particular text that we read, I see three levels of protection that I want to highlight. The first level of protection is, is what I'm calling primary protection Number two, secondary protection. And then number three, provisional protection. This particular text, I see three levels of protection. Primary, secondary, and provisional. Give me a fresh battery, sir. And provisional protection. Primary protection is personally establishing boundaries that cater to the overall well-being of your child. It's what you do personally to guard and to guide your child. You see certain eels that's trying to uh, uh, come against your babies. You see certain people sometimes trying to fight against your baby. It's things that you do intentionally, things you do on purpose to guard your baby. That's primary protection. And then you have secondary protection. Secondary protection speaks to the people who you allow to run alongside your child to reinforce the values that you've placed on the inside of them. 
And the key word is the people that you allow. Because how many know can't nobody talk to your child unless you let them? Your, my, my children just can't have friends with whoever they want to have friends with. No, if they are your friends, I have allowed them to be your, y'all ain't talking to me in this place. If you are family to me, and just because you kin to me, just because you family with me, don't mean I just allow your, my kids to kick it with you or your kids. I want to help somebody in this place. Somebody told me one time, they said, I heard that the preacher's kids was the baddest one. And I told them my kids didn't get bad till they started hanging with your kids. I'm going to say amen by myself. Primary protection is what you do on purpose to guard your baby. Secondary protection are the people that you allow to run alongside your children to reinforce your value. And then finally, watch this, there is provisional protection. Provisional protection is who do you allow your children's heart to rest in when you're not around? This is something my wife and I, we've, we've been discussing and we've, we've talked about, and it's, it's an ongoing conversation. Um, when we go on vacation, who do we actually leave our children with? We, we've had this conversation, and again, it's an ongoing conversation. We, we've been making out our wheels and, and, and all this other kind of wonderful stuff. I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. Can the church say amen? I'm going to say amen myself. Pre you preaching, Pastor. I don't plan to go nowhere, no time soon, but the reality is there are things that can happen. So in my wife and I's absence, if we have an early demise, an early death, yeah, I catch better than you. <laughs> Who do we entrust with our babies? God, I want to help. Yeah. So in this particular text, I see primary protection. I see secondary protection. I see this provisional protection. Watch Exodus chapter number two, verses number three. But when she could no longer hide him, she, she got a basket and made papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. This is primary protection. I'm doing it because there's an edict that's been signed by the Pharaoh to kill children like mine. I want to help somebody in this place. So there are things that I do on purpose, intentional, to guard my baby. You see primary protection here. Verses number four, you see secondary protection. The baby sister then stood at a distance watching little baby Moses to make sure that the baby gets to the destination that the mama intended for it to be. I want to help. I want to speak to all the big brothers in here. I want to speak to all the big sisters in here. You should play a secondary role of protection in the lives of your sibling. When you see the standards of mom and dad, and when you see little brother or little sister doing something out of character, don't sit back and be quiet. The devil is absolutely a liar. God wants to use you too. Come on, somebody, to reaffirm those values. So big sister sitting back and she watching to make sure baby Moses gets to the place that mama intended for him to go. Where did mom intend for Moses to go? It's in verses number five and six. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. Now somebody shout, this is on purpose. Again, there's an edict that's been signed by Pharaoh to kill every baby boy. So if Pharaoh finds the baby, he's dead. If one of the soldiers find the baby, he's dead. But they even tell you, even, even in training today, in, in training today become, uh, concerning lost children, they encourage the children to find somebody, watch this, that has a, a mother or a woman, a mother that has two or three children. Don't go to a man. Don't even go to an officer. Find somebody that has the heart for a child. 
So, so this, is a, this is intentional that she, she, she builds this baby ark and she sails the ark down the river because she's hoping maybe, maybe the Pharaoh's daughter will get his eye, watch this, and she will, she, will, she will become connected with his heart. And in my absence, provisionally, she'll give the care that I know that I cannot. And this text is primary, secondary, and provisional protection. Pastor McGee, this is really a cute little Sunday school lesson, but I really want to know where are you trying to go in this particular text. I'll tell you where I'm going. God has been stirring with my heart personally. Watch this. This is more than just a message for me, uh, excuse me, a message for the people of God, for the Facebook Live, for the YouTube Live audience. This is something, matter of fact, I hadn't even really talked to my wife or anybody about it. God has been challenging me and convicting me personally, and God spoke to me, and he said that you are letting your God down. I want to help somebody in this place concerning the protection of your children. And this is what he showed me. He says there are certain things that you have been disciplining your children for that you should have protected them from. It's certain things that you're getting on them about that you never should have. Oh God, I want to help. You never should have had to even deal with that had you had protection in place in the first place. So he starts showing me through the text motivations for protections because I said I don't know about you all I said God if you if you're gonna take out your time to talk to me about this I want to know what I need to do differently and this is what he began to show me motivations for protections concerning our children here's number one internalizing the seriousness of surrounding dangers number two seeing the uniqueness of the child Motivations for protection, internalizing the seriousness of surrounding dangers. Number two, seeing the uniqueness of your child. Let me deal with number one, internalizing the seriousness of surrounding danger. When it comes to Moses, Moses was born in an oppressive society. What does this mean? This means that his potential of life, his potential in life, his quality of life, and his expectancy of life are all diminished at birth. As soon as he comes out of the womb, the potential of what he could be, a glass ceiling is placed over his head. The quality of this life, the, the level of joy that he could experience is seriously diminished because he's born as a slave. And the, the life expectancy of a slave is diminished because the Pharaoh and his men don't value the life of Hebrews. So from the very beginning, there's a serious threat. And then on top of that, the edict, as I've been mentioning before, in Exodus 1.22, the Bible declares, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River. Somebody shout, there is a serious threat. That ain't everybody. Everybody shout, there's a serious threat. I want to show you what our threat is for our babies right now. I have five of them. If you're taking notes, take good notes. Number one, we have a real spiritual enemy. Somebody shout a spiritual enemy. The Bible teaches in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world. There is a real, I want to help somebody. There is a real spiritual enemy that's after our soul. I don't know about you all, but just like I have heard the voice of God speak to me, I've also heard the voice of my enemy twice in my life. When I was 18 years old, I heard something whisper in my ear and tell me you ought to take your own life. 
Now, how many know that there are no big grown devils for grown folk and then children devils? Come on, somebody, for little children. The same, the same demon that spoke to me at 18 and then later spoke to me at 28 will try to bombard my son's or my daughter's thoughts. Come on, somebody, at the age of eight years old. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to protect your baby spiritually. Not only is there a spiritual enemy against our children, the second enemy that I want to highlight is the fact that we live in a diminishing society. The standards of society are constantly diminishing. Watch the width. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk in generalities within this particular message, but for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to deal with pinpoint specific things because understand, there are some things that we do in society today that 20 years ago, people would have shaken their heads at us and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for even doing such a thing, for even saying such a thing. Watch this. 20 years from now, there will be a, no, a whole nother level of liberal liberality that they will experience that we in this present generation I'm not just talking about the church I'm talking about the world watch there 20 years from now we would have shaken our heads and say I can't believe that they're doing that the Bible declares be not conformed to the things of this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind the standards of the world continues to decline and you got to protect your baby here's number three you got to protect them from both wicked and permissive people wicked Wicked and permissive people. There are some people around your children who really don't mean them well at all. Some of them may be wolves in sheep clothing. Some of them just trans, I'm trans, this is just who I am. And then there are certain people that aren't necessarily wicked, but they're permissive. That simply means that when they see your baby doing something out of character, they won't say nothing at all. Well, you got you to experience, you got to live life. Come on, somebody. Here's number four, what you have to protect your babies from, from their own internal fleshly tendencies. You got you to gotta protect your baby. David said, I was, I was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. That's, that's two, two things. I was born in sin. In essence, I am a sinner. But then he says, I was shaping in iniquity. The word iniquity, it, it, it speaks to the fact that all of us, not only are we born, for, born with sinful desires, we are born for or with a brand of sin, in essence, there is a particular thing that you like. Some one guy came to me and he says, as far as I can remember, I've always wanted to be with another man. And I told him, there's, not, there's nothing surprised about that. We're all born with iniquity. There are certain brands of sins that we just like because we like them. And sometimes you like them because your mama liked them and because your daddy and your granddaddy like them. Y'all ain't saying nothing in here. So you have to put a hedge of protection. Here's number five, and then I'll move. What do I have to protect my babies from? I got to protect my babies from hell. Because the reality is all five of my children will stand before God one day and I will not have the privilege of being there to be a lawyer, a defense, anything for them. They have to give an account for themselves. So this is what I have made the choice to do. Uh, yeah, my, this, this, is not, this is just extra. I just want to throw it out there at you. This is what I have made a choice to do for my children. Number one, I'm going to teach them the word. Number two, I'm going to live the word. Number three, I'm going to publicly apologize to them when I fail at either of those two points. I said, I'm going to teach them the word myself. Now, I, I really want to thank God for Children's Church. I want to I thank God for, for what our instructors are doing. I want to thank God for the new technology. God, hey, y'all, we've developed our own Children's Church curriculum. We got our own videos that we're putting together. Come on. So we've gone to a whole nother level in Children's Church, but watch this. I'm not I'm, 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 I want to help. I want to help. I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. Watch this. 
But if I was a member, I wouldn't depend on EMCC's curriculum alone to feed my baby spiritually. Because we only see them one time a week. You see them every day of their life, seven days a week. So who do they really need to hear the word of God from? Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. They need to hear it from you. So number one, teach them the word. Number two, live the word. Number three, apologize to them openly when you fail to do either of the two. Can somebody say amen to that? So the motivations for protection when it comes to my babies, number one, I've got to internalize the seriousness. And there are serious threats around our babies. Number two, I need to see the uniqueness of the child. The scripture declares in Exodus chapter number two, verses number two, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, so powerful, and kept him hidden for three. I protected him because I saw the uniqueness. There is something that Moses is going to do that nobody else is going to be able to do. And if his life expires prematurely, then the the kingdom of God, the, the plan of God will be, watch this, it will be hindered, not stopped, but it will be hindered because my baby was, was supposed to contribute something spe- specifically to the society. Yeah, I thought about this for a second, man. I thought about this. And this is what God began to minister to my heart. One of the reasons it's challenging for some people who, to protect their babies hmm, is not because they don't see the threat. I know threats are out there, but there are some parents, I want to help, I want to be sensitive about this too, have lost a spark in their eyes for their child. They lost the spark in their eyes for that baby. And I, I want to highlight three texts, three, three passages of scripture to show you that it, is in, that it is possible for you not to just willingly let down your guards. I didn't just do it because I looked at you and I just wanted to let, but sometimes life can happen to me. And life, when it happens to me, I get distracted at other things around me and I turn my back on my responsibilities of protecting my babies. I want to show you this, my friend, in the text of the book of Genesis, chapter number 35, verses number 17. The Bible declares, and as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni, but his father named him Benjamin. Understand what these names mean. Benjamin means son of my right hand. Benoni means son of my sorrow. Because of her current pain, she curses her son. And there are times we as parents fail to protect our babies because of the present struggle that we're in right now. So consumed with my own personal pain, it's hard for me to see the uniqueness of my baby, and I wind up cursing them instead of blessing them. Let me dig a little bit deeper. In 1 Samuel chapter number 4, verse number 19, my God, watch this. The Bible declares the wife of Phineas was pregnant and near the time of delivery when she heard the news that her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She went into labor and gave birth. Look at verse number 21. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. The word Ichabod, the name Ichabod means no glory. She, oh God, she curses her son because of the pain dealing with the daddy. I've seen this time and time again where a mom will take a child to get even with daddy 
and they will beat daddy with the baby. Here's the problem. When you step back and look at daddy, there's a sense of pleasure because he's beat down. But they never look at the tool that they use to beat daddy with. Because if daddy don't look good because of the tool, look at the tool, the kid that you're using to abuse daddy with. Neither one of them are the good. Ichabod, no glory. Because the pain associated with your daddy, with your father, this pain has caused me to lose the twinkle in my eye for this baby boy. One more and, I, and, and I'm done. Genesis 49 and 1, the Bible declares, Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me and I will tell you what will happen to each of you in the days to come. Come and listen, you sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. He says to Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the child of my vigor youth, vigorous youth. You are first in rank and first in power, but you are as unruly as a flood. And you will, and you will be first no longer, for you went to bed with my wife, you defiled my marriage couch. There are times with mom, there are times when dad lose the, the twinkle in the eye for the child because of current pain. Then there's time because, because me and your mama fell out. Because again, I've, I've heard countless stories of divorce, split up, separation. I've heard, I've heard tragic stories of moms cursing boys because they look like they daddy. I've, I've heard then there are times when our children fall into dumb stuff it's craziness and we're so consumed with what they're in we fail to look at what they could be and we lose that sparkle we lose that twinkle in there in our eyes but I, I want to here, here's the question I, I just want to this applies to the sisters but I want to talk to the daddies for real just for a moment the question is, when do you stop protecting? When, when do you really, when do you stop protecting your babies? Watch, watch it. My wife and I, we, was, we, were, we were tripping a couple of weeks ago. Um, Sister Adrian, we, we, we saw a post of yours of all the businesses and things that you've started over the years. And so we sat down and we started counting jobs and businesses that we've had. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all about the bootleg job one day that God delivered us from. <laughs> and we just started naming all these businesses, and, and I, I was just kind of tripping. And she was throwing stones at me, but I was trying to, you know, cover because, hey, as a father, as a husband, I'm going to do what I got to do to protect my family, to bring income in so that we okay. We're looking at all these jobs, and as I thought about that today, I want to be transparent. The hardest job I have ever had out of all my thousands of entrepreneurial ideas, hardest job I've ever had is being a father. Let me tell you why. Because when do you clock out? <laughs> when do you swipe that card? And you be like, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, yeah, you, when, 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 is, when is that? 
all other jobs, I was either able to clock out or I just quit it, gave up the business, passed it on, sold it or whatever. And I'm no longer that anymore. I'm something else. But when it comes to a father, it, it's too funny. We, we um, took Greg Jr. When was that, babe? Uh, August, September? August. Oh, she got the date. You say August 15th? So we took Greg Jr. to college on August the 15th. We left on the 13th. Whatever. Whatever. So the whole time she was just holding it in. I'm just holding it in because I'm missing my baby. I'm going to miss my baby. And so we, we got to the, uh, you know, the dorm and we was helping unload stuff. And uh, she was just, she was trying to hold it in. Let me clean this up. But I was moving like, whoo, where you need this at, boy? Where you want? <laughs> Son, catch this tub, boy. <laughs> so the last day we go to see him, the last, Aunt Charlotte, we did a group hug, girl. We did a group hug. We all three came together. She, first it was just her and him, and they was hugging. And I'm like, I got a six-hour drive. <laughs> My wife said, Honey, come join us. <laughs> come join us. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, I held them both. And I must confess, God help me. God help me. I must confess, I was thinking, <sighs> God. <sighs> Father, two down. Three more to go, God. Give me the grace. the reality is when do you stop protecting when do you stop praying it might be easy if God to stop talking to me about my babies <laughs> my wife woke up that up just a couple of days honey I had a dream and I was like <sighs> one thing he stopped talking to me he's still talking to me I'm still praying for him I understand that there are certain boundaries, certain things I can't do. I, I can't go in Aisha's house and rearrange her furniture. That's her furniture. I can't. I, I can tell Greg, son, you need to be in by a certain time. I can tell him that, but I can only control that when he come home. <laughs> Some way he, he turned like 360 off when he's at school. I'm, I'm going to leave him alone, though. Praise the Lord. Son, if you're watching this, I know you be muting it. It gives me a notification when you mute it. <laughs> Yeah, but as a father, as a mother, it's the hardest job you're going to ever do because it's for the rest of you. I, 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 matter of fact, after this message, I need to call my parents and apologize because I was a little bit too hard on them because I didn't know how heavy this responsibility really was. And I'll be honest with you, Aisha, she was four years old when I met her mother. Watch this. I became a father at she was four. I'm going to be her daddy until I die. 24-7. So this is what God has impressed on my heart. There are some of us, we have, we have lowered our, our standards of protection. Sister Wendy, I want you to go ahead and come. Um, some of us, because we fail to realize just how serious things are in this world, in, this, in our society, 
And then some of us, we've lowered our standards of protection because something has caused us to lose the twinkle in our eye. I believe the scripture is true. When God speaks to the young prophet Jeremiah, he says, before you were formed in your mother's belly, before you came out of the womb, I had already ordained you to be a prophet unto the nation. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, it, concerning our children, before Aisha Danielle, Greg Jr., Charity Bonetta, Teresa Janae, Nathaniel Lester, before they were formed in her belly, before they came out of her womb, God had already ordained them to do something special in this world. And I am constantly a part of the protection plan to ensure that they become all that God desires for them to be. So, Sister Wendy, this is what I want you to do, dear lady. There's some, ah, there's some moms, there's some dads that have lost their motivation. They've, they've lost their drive. Some of them because of hurt between them and their child. Some of them because it just life is crazy. And because life is so crazy, it's allowed me to neglect what's really important because I'm chasing rabbits of pain all around me. I just want you to just speak to that fact and pray for those mothers. If, you, if you're watching me, if you're watching me live or if you're in this sanctuary, I want you to reach out and I want you to say, minister to me. Even if you're a mom, even if you're a woman and you're a, you're a man, you don't have children. But watch this. I wasn't a father at 16, but I had a little cousin named Jerry that watched me like I was his daddy. I took care of little Jerry. Sometimes he was hungry when he was with me. I fed him. Sometimes he just wanted to hang out just to get away from whatever. I was like a father figure for him. He had a dad, and his dad was a hardworking man. So even not being the primary, I was a type of secondary protection for him. So maybe you don't have children of your own, but there are children in your neighborhood. There's children in your family who look to you. And I want you to receive this prayer that Sister Wendy is about to minister. Go ahead, ma'am. Lord God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, your son. through pain. Lord God, I'm going to pray my prayer to you. And I pray that the parents out there will pray it in their heart. I'm going to relate my pain and my experience to you, praying that they will relinquish to you their prayers in the same way and that this prayer will become their prayer because I can only speak through what I've done Lord God and through parenting through my pain Lord God I pray for the parents Heavenly Father I pray that you forgive us that you forgive me Lord God where I have failed my child 
And today, dear Lord God, I see him reaping my failures. And I pray that you forgive me for that, that you forgive us. Lord God, where we have let something else take over priority in our lives, and we have missed being the example of you to them, Lord God. Lord God, there are many of us that have young children and we have grandchildren and we have missed it. Today, Lord God, I know that you have new grace for every day and it is not too late, Heavenly Father, for you to give us the wisdom that we ask for to raise our children, Lord God. Give us the wisdom, God, to protect them, who we should allow in their lives. Your word says if any of us lacks wisdom, he should ask you, and you give it generously to us without finding fault. For even in the past where we have wronged you in raising our children, Lord God, you can forgive us and give us wisdom because your word tells us you will. Lord God, give us a heart for our child. Where we have lost it because of impatience. Where we have lost it because of irritability, Lord God. Change our attitude, Heavenly Father. To where we see it, God, as what it truly is, which is a privilege to raise your children in the image of you, Lord God. Give us a heart for our children again, Heavenly Father. Restore and direct us to the way that we should lead them and that we may be a godly example to them. Change us, God, so that we may be godly. For you are our strength and our courage, and it is of you that we have discernment in their lives. Lord God, may I not be a stumbling block to my child. Change my very being that they may see you in me. Open my eyes to your will for their life and give me the supernatural wisdom and means to direct them in your way. Give me hope as I pray for my prodigal son or my prodigal daughter, Lord God. Let me not grow weary in lifting them up to you, Heavenly Father. May I not grow weary in doing what is right by my children, Lord God. Thank you for your new grace today that it's not too late for me to be the parent that you have called me to be. Through your mercy and through your grace and through the blood of your son, Jesus, I ask this all. Amen. And the people of God said, uh, come on and give God a hand and clap of praise all over this building. Listen to me as I'm, I'm done. Um, I provide social.